matter who you got, no matter what time you went in, like they, he had his baristas were on point. Yeah. And um, so we come down here and we're like, <laughs> we gotta find something. Yeah. And so um, Numinous, it's interesting. Numinous has a um, has a fruity's not necessarily the right term, but it yeah. has like a bit a fruity ish after aftertaste, yes. mm-hmm. which is close enough to the one we we mm-hmm. came from. Um, but then, like you were saying, the um, kinda mm-hmm. is that how it's yes. pronounced? Kinda, kinda, kinda. Kinda, it um, is kinda. It's kinda. a oh, what is it? It's a it's a foreign language for to kindle. Mm, so okay. I have to do this. Okay. What is it? Kinda. Kinda. Um, <laughs> flame. <laughs> For the for those of you listening to the podcast, she's doing. I'm doing my fingers. Jazz fingers. A, jazz fingers. Yeah, yeah. Just pointing up to the air, <laughs> like little like a little worship service. Welcome to Shoot the Breeze, a podcast that celebrates the messiness of life, relationships, and Christianity, featuring my wife Lacey and myself, Nathan. It's creatively titled because it will be just us shooting the breeze, uh, sometimes with guests, while occasionally saying something important. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to the podcast. Yes. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for coming. I, I really appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. Oh, great. Good. So tell me, uh, um, first of all, you just ran a marathon. I did on Sunday. Okay. okay. And for our other listeners, uh-huh. not me, but other people other who people. wouldn't know what a marathon is. What a marathon is. Uh, explain what that is. Please explain uh, for how, sure. how long that is. <laughs> A marathon. I actually got this question several times this last week because I told people I'm running a marathon. And they're like, oh, that's really cool. And they're like, how far is that? And I'm like, it's 26.2 miles. I'm like, what? What? You said what? And I'm like, yeah, 26.2 mm-hmm. miles. I've heard several uh, stories. Apparently, uh, in ancient Rome, there was a man, a messenger, who ran 26.2 miles and ended yes. up dying afterwards. And so His heart blew up. It blew up. Yeah. And so apparently that was the establishment of that distance. But then I've also heard stories that actually the uh, marathon officially on Olympic scale got mm-hmm. its distance uh, in at, at the London Olympics. And it was the royal family wanted to change the distance because they wanted to have... Uh, them start like right in front of Buckingham mm. Palace and end like right there, mm-hmm. and so they had to change the distance slightly to accommodate for that mileage. So we can thank the royal family for that amazing point two. I'm going with original Greek. I think I think that's a pretty that sounds like a much more epic story in my opinion. And I will I always believe epic stories. <laughs> Absolutely, go with yeah. that. Same thing with the internet. Yeah. I always believe what's on there. Absolutely. Yeah. If you see it on Facebook, it must be true. <laughs> oh, no, what is it? In, like, relationship status, don't people, aren't people like, oh, it's not Facebook official? It's not, yeah, it's not <laughs> Facebook official. I really love it when, so I, I know that there's an option that you can choose that says it's complicated. And when I have a friend on Facebook that changes their mm-hmm. status to it's complicated, I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, you just want everyone and their dog to mm-hmm. ask you. What? What's going on? What's so complicated? You're making me want to change. So we're not on social media anymore. But oh, we still have okay. like we have placeholders, uh-huh. which essentially all go to our website. But um, 
I want to do that just for oh, fun. Yeah. And me and my wife share one, which will make it even more exciting. <laughs> yeah. People are like, oh, no. Like, what? what's complicated? What happened? Exactly. I've been tempted to do that, but I feel like because I'm a pastor locally, yeah. I have to be careful because it could cause a whole rumor mill to start going. You know what, though? It, I'm one of the, I'm one of those people. That I'm like, you know, might be worth yeah. it. Might be just for fun. Just to ruffle yeah. some feathers. Yeah, exactly. Get some exactly. conversation going. Yeah. Kind of shake things up a bit, you know. Yeah. Get people thinking. Um, yeah. yeah. Get that okay. mundanity. You did say so. You're a pastor locally. Now you yes. have a couple. You have a couple job. I do. Jobs. You are, you are a children's pastor at Rock Pile. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also are, um, from what I understand, a, a. Uh, athletic enthusiast mm-hmm. is that the correct I am, yeah terminology? so i'm actually a health and fitness coach okay. at um ferris strength and fitness in marble falls oh, okay and okay. so i coach sessions and i okay. also work with clients specifically on mindset mm-hmm. and helping them kind of assess patterns of living that are counterproductive and then introduce uh in simple kind of tangible steps ways that they can okay move into a different direction that leads to more fulfilling okay. like choices and and mindset specifically yeah. is what we specialize in which it, that's awesome um usually so i have i i had a brother he's still alive okay i have a brother <laughs> okay. who was a um physical therapist oh, nice. who was a massage therapist one of those two it's not did, like they're that different. He did things and stuff with bodies okay, and cool. to make people feel better. Okay. Um, which, well, never mind. Um, so what with with that mm-hmm. and what I've seen, especially in friends who call them, is it gym rats? Mm-hmm. Is that a... Yeah, that's a, that is a, a term. Derogatory. The derogatory. derogatory term, yes. Um, but oftentimes that is the one thing that I've noticed is the mindset side is mm-hmm. not it's like okay i want to i want to look better yeah and which is not in and of itself necessarily a bad thing i guess mm-hmm. i don't know if you'd agree yeah no i don't think it's bad yeah but then it's like the mindset having a healthy mindset with that because mm-hmm. yeah. i think you can and i don't know if you can correct me but it, mm-hmm. it, i guess in your feel like have you seen people who are like so obsessed about health and wellness that it's almost like we got to pull back or I well guess, it's I really know. funny because like i was that person oh okay so okay. my background and my story is that how i was introduced to fitness i had an eating disorder mm-hmm. um seven years ago and so i started what god led me to was kind of getting involved in fitness and before that i had mm-hmm. been in this extreme i worked out two hours plus a day oh i was barely eating anything and so i looked like a model and i visually was what everybody wanted mm-hmm. and so i felt like that was okay and god just in a crazy turn of events just helped me see myself Hmm. with absolute clarity in a moment and so it was funny though because i felt like fitness was something was so unhealthy for me Mm -hmm. but he brought it back in kind of my rebuilding transformation season and so i'm that person who's come from that like extreme viewpoint on just fixating on the outside the image side of it and that's where i'm so passionate about mindset because i to that point i think a lot of people don't understand the viciousness behind primarily focus on focusing on image yeah because a lot of us i have a client um who one day she came up to me and she was like rebecca you look like a sports model like i want to look just like you 
And like at the time, I, 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 well, you know, it's kind of flattering when somebody comes up and says something like that to you. But I, I knew her life, and she's a, this amazing person who does so mm. much for her family and the community. And I responded in the moment, and I was like, you know, um, thank you. But it's like, and you know, her whole thing was like, I want to be just like you. Mm. And it's like, I think something that's so fun, foundational when you help people understand what they value and the life that they want to live yeah. it's like you can gradually work towards i think people who have us are living from a satisfied place of like they know what they're passionate about what they feel called to do yeah and they live according to that i think naturally over time your your body kind of comes into alignment okay. um, things are more balanced and i think truly what as human beings we're longing for we, we want the quick fix we want the right. image that society sells us but ultimately what we want <clears throat> is fulfillment yeah. we want to know that whatever we do has purpose purpose and that we're growing and that we're changing and that our life is having significance and impact. And so really in that moment, I just want I took her and kind of redirected and I was like, well, what are your goals though? Mm -hmm. Like what, what is it, what you want to do? And she's like, well, I want to be more present for my family. You know, I, I work long hours and I, I want to be able to have the energy at my job. And I'm like, that's, that's a different goal. Mm -hmm. Like my goal mm -hmm. right now is like, you know, at the time I was training for a marathon and I'm like, you know, the season of life I'm in, just my, my style, like where I was at. I'm training like an athlete and I'm like, that's a very different mm -hmm. goal. It takes, you know, my focus isn't, my focus wasn't to lose weight and lean out. It was really to train and prepare my body for something that was coming up. Right. And so it's like, you really have to understand, I think. And I think that's where I love how the fitness industry is changing yeah. in that it's emphasizing more and more holistic health yeah. and recognizing that we are beyond just the physical, we are you know, and especially the gym I work out, we're mind, body, and spirit. And that there's a, all of those things when brought in partnership together leads us to become the very best versions of ourselves. And when we can live in fulfillment, then all of that just kind of falls into place. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. That's, and, and that's, like I said, that's, I mean, it seems, at least in, I only go to the gym, like, <laughs> to stretch and hey. run 20 minutes. Um, hey. But it's, like that—that that seems to be something mm -hmm. I've not seen, and mm -hmm. which is a neat, neat thing that a, a gym is dedicated to that of of a yeah. well-rounded uh, health wholeness, um, which is really neat. Yeah. Um, you had you had said, so you you said you came out of having an eating disorder. Yeah. So with that, um, and, and like with any addiction or, mm -hmm. you know, struggle, what mindsets did you have to build to, um, or maybe maybe what mindsets did you have to replace? So like mm -hmm. get rid of, add to, or replace? Yeah, that's a good question. So uh, my journey was one where, <laughs> it's funny, so leading up to, I didn't have an obsessive, like, negative viewpoint towards my body image mm -hmm. until I think I was like 18 when that happened up to that point I just had an obsessive self-hatred so mm. I I was trying to be the perfect girl so I grew up in a Christian home Christian mm -hmm. environment but just through a lot of different things whether home environmental things or just the circumstances of friendships and stuff I developed this like need to conceal what was going on on the mm. outside and present perfection all the time. And so it just felt like over the course of my, my childhood, it just different things kind of hit the radar. And I started obsessing over trying to fixate, like I would mm. fixate and try to fix different things about myself that I considered flawed. And so at 18, I was uh, actually serving as a Texas 
honey queen or honey princess, okay. so an ambassador for the beekeeping industry, okay. was very much suddenly <clears throat> was up to that point much more of a shy in the background kind of person, but suddenly thrust into the limelight mm -hmm. and very much in a visual image sort of okay. way. Okay. And that's when I had never really seen the body image side of it until that moment. And so I think all of the pieces were in play for me to just have this hyper fixation of like, I hate the way that I look. I mm. hate, I want to fix all of my flaws, my imperfections. Mm. And it had come from an external place. But then as I moved on, it, it went external. And so I remember kind of sitting in the bottom and the ashes. I, a lot of the first steps was just reestablishing my identity of like mm -hmm. who God said I was. And those first six months after I hit rock bottom, I recognized where I was, recognized how much damage had really been done to my identity. Um, I remember I started going to a church in Austin okay. and I didn't really, the, the purpose was just to connect with the Lord and re like hear truth about who he was and what he said about me. And so in place of a lot of, you know, the hatred, it's like, I had to learn to not only declare the truth of like, I'm a child of God, beloved and chosen, but actually like walk through the steps of like, what does that mean for my life? Hmm. If I'm a child of God, what does that mean to my identity? If I'm beloved and he made me perfect, mm -hmm. that when he declared over his creation, specifically when he created people, they declared them very good. What does it mean for me to like believe that with how right. I live? Right. And like how, how does like that affect my speech? The things that I say, not only about myself mm -hmm. to myself, but out loud to other people, uh, the thoughts that I think. And so it was really a journey of really starting to, uh, I, and I always tell people when you go through the first season of like taking every thought captive, mm -hmm. it is so painful because you're so aware of how bad your mindset is. And you're like, wow. You're like, God, this was supposed to get better. And I like, I'm like, I know that you love me and I know that you're for me, but I, uh, this makes me want to hate myself more because I'm now aware of how bad my thoughts are because right. your, your truth, your, your, your Holy Spirit's giving me that awareness now. And so I remember at first I was just so discouraged because I'm like, Wow. It seemed like every day it was like something new. I was like, I've been thinking that about myself mm -hmm. for all this long time. But then again, God's grace would come in. Right. And I tell people that's, this has been a seven year journey of me coming to the realization, getting to where I am today. And those first few years, it was a lot of like conscious effort on a daily basis, mm -hmm. being aware of like how I was thinking, addressing it proactively. And now it's much more at a place of, um, I, I've built that consistent, like I can catch myself, but now it's not just catching myself, but it's choosing to walk in a different direction. Yeah. So it's externally making choices that affirm. So like one of the things that I wrestled with, um, and it was part of the whole mindset eating disorder stuff was like, I didn't feel worthy of being loved. Okay. And so one of the things that I've learned to do in the last few years is like, mm -hmm. when I feel that way, what I actually do, which is counterintuitive to my nature, is I reach out to somebody and I actually invite mm -hmm. them into what I'm experiencing. And I'm like, this is what I'm feeling. I'm not asking you to affirm where I'm at. I'm confessing it and I, I need, I need somebody to know where I'm at. And the more I've done that, it just, it instantly takes you out of that place because you're inviting someone else's perspective. And you, again, choosing wise friends to yeah. speak truth yeah. into you is important, but I think it's, it's, it goes, it starts internally. It starts working out to your actions and then you have to start building the accountability and making sure you're checking your like the feedback you're giving from other getting from other people as far as your community and and the variables that are outside of you that are feeding 
yeah those that information as to what your identity really is um so you you made an interesting distinction like making sure you have the right friends because i mm. i met like i imagine going through that time you're not like when you tell someone your struggles like you're yeah. not especially dealing with identity right like yes. dealing with dealing with man i'm feeling such and such today mm-hmm. it, it's the recognition and having friends with discernment going yeah. is rebecca just fishing is she just fishing <laughs> for like a compliment, a compliment. Uh-huh. but it, it right it's it's friends who are like okay rebecca you're being an idiot and i don't mean that against your identity uh-huh. but it's going no you know you're loved you know mm-hmm. you know god god made you you're good um <laughs> don't be an idiot uh-huh. um but it right it, it's 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 I'm trying to think of right, like, because there are people, and it's often like they'll do things for that compliment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, like, knowing the difference. Yeah, and I think, too, like, when you're picking friends, I've been really blessed with, like, such a supportive system. And what I found was that I I had to change some of my friends, not because they were bad people. They were people who loved the Lord. But when I would say something, it was just overly positive. Mm. And so there was no, like, accountability in it. So I really Mm. had to seek out friends who knew me and Mm. were going to hold me, like, speak truth to me mm-hmm. so i was and and i that actually held me to a higher standard because now when i go to somebody i already know that i'm wrong i already know that my mindset is incorrect and so it's like i'm confessing it out loud because i know when i confess it and i invite someone else into it it loses its power over me mm-hmm. and that's the main reason i'm going to and i know i'm going to get that feedback of like and even if you pick people who are really good at speaking truth, they may even take you a deeper layer into yeah. how your response needs to go further down the road other mm-hmm. than just addressing it. They may be like, you know, it's really good that you see that, you have identified that that's what you're thinking. Here is another step you can take mm-hmm. along your journey to get you out of that mindset and mm-hmm. get you out of that place. It's good. I'm deciding where I want to go next. Um, Because, like, so you guys have, you and your friend, um, Jalen. Yes. Nailed it. You did it. Um, Have a podcast, Mm -hmm. and it's called Redefined. And um, the subtitle is something to do with purity. I'm trying to remember. Evaluating. Evaluating purity purity. culture. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, Which I I loved. I will admit when I first started listening, like when I, f- when you had first told me you had a, yeah. a pure, like a purity podcast, I was like, oh no. no. I know. Well, uh, we get that response a lot. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's guys, it's, it's fantastic. I actually binge watch. I, I took a trip to uh, <laughs> San Antonio the other day and I binge watched all, all of them or listened, binge listened uh-huh. to all of them. Oh, fantastic. Nice. Um, and what's funny is when you, binge a series like yeah. anything you see um you see a progression mm-hmm. right? obviously when you're starting anything you're like still figuring oh yeah right like if you listen to some of our first ones <laughs> they're fantastic but it's different now it is different. um anyways the reason i'm bringing that up yeah. is I even see like a progression in maturity and like through the podcast you guys have been doing it for mm-hmm. Eight weeks, nine weeks now. I mean, you skipped a couple weeks. Eleven yeah. weeks, yeah. Um, but even a, ma- a, ma- a maturing in that, like one of the things um, 
you guys mentioned early on you would make a statement and be like well i think i think and then you mm-hmm. i think it was like episode seven or eight where you're yeah. like we gotta stop saying i think i think we're confident we know what we're doing <laughs> we do and so like with that that's what made me think of it is how do you um like as a christian there are things that Rebecca has been freed of, mm-hmm. right? And there's there's things that you are moving toward. Yeah. And how does how does someone cuz it's it's almost like what you what I what I see maybe whether it's social media mm-hmm. or interacting with or news or whatever, if someone feels too confident about, hey, listen, like for me, it was a it was an addiction to pornography. Listen, I have a way to freedom. Yeah. Follow me, um, and they're like, "Oh, well, you don't? Do you never struggle with it anymore?" And I'm like, "I said I have a way to freedom. Yeah, because I'm free of it." Um, but I guess maybe the question for you is how, and in like in your, it, I'm listening, you know, into your podcast. I'm seeing that. How do you and Jalen? How do you mm-hmm. walk the the line between? I have all the answers. Mm-hmm. And, well, maybe, possibly, well, we're going to mess up. And, like, yeah. right? Like, how does someone, especially a Christian, mm-hmm. do that? I think, for me personally... You said I think. I did. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm messing with you. I love you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For me personally, that journey has been one of trusting mm. the Lord and trusting the maturing process. Because at 27, that's my age... I've been given a lot of authority mm-hmm. and this last year and a half has been incredibly challenging. And it's interesting to see how God's been growing and preparing me for these moments. But I feel in myself on mm-hmm. a daily basis, the weight of being younger and carrying the authority that I do. And that was something when Jalen and I started specifically purity, because purity is one of those subjects when we were talking in conversations we're like we don't really want to talk about this conversation because people already have their opinion about mm-hmm. when you start a podcast on purity they already have their opinion their oh, opinions yeah. on what you're going to say and how you're going to present it that it's going to be as hardcore rigid legalistic mm-hmm. this is the three-step process and we didn't want that we had lived through that mm-hmm. we had experienced it and we have experienced it currently still experience it and we just wanted to bring truth and clarity mm-hmm. And I think as you go through that journey, and it's still unfolding for me, it's just this honesty of the tension of, I think when you're you're confident, you're confident in this is what the Lord's teaching me. I may be more mature down the road and have more to say on this, but right now with utter confidence, I can say this is how it has negatively affected me. This is what I know Mm -hmm. God is working in and through me. And just to, to be confident in those things that he places on your heart. I think the podcast has been a great learning experience for both of us to just embrace that beautiful tension of we're, we're getting there, but we're not there yet Mm. of like, we don't have to, it's not a solutions podcast necessarily. Although we want people to have tangible next steps Mm. of how they can continue to grow, but it's a growth minded. And that's my whole perspective on life. I have a goal. Mm -hmm. And I'm constantly seeking that goal, but I also know that I'm far from it. So there's this growth of, 
I will give my full effort, all of my heart, all of my conviction, all of my passion with and declare the truth that I've already learned, knowing there's still more for me to learn, but I can share that readily and, and, and with full passion because I know that God is working in me right now mm-hmm. and he's speaking truth in and through me right now. And I think that when you're, you're walking in that place of the tension between the two, that, that gives freedom to, to walk in your faith and to share honestly and, and, and in a real genuine sort of way. So the, so the confidence comes in, here's my story. Mm-hmm. Here is the things that the ways God has freed me. Yeah. Um, it's not, and I'll speak for myself, it's not necessarily that, well, in the Bible it says this, and Mm -hmm. so I'm an expert in it. It's, no, let me tell you, here's the way God has been working on my heart. Mm -hmm. And um, if you want freedom, Mm -hmm. I'm confident in the direction I'm going because I've I've seen fruit in my Mm -hmm. life. And working with others, I've seen fruit. And so the, the confidence comes more in, is it, exactly what Revelation 12 10 says that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and yep. our story and not not desiring our life and mm-hmm. being willing to lay it down yeah. um Hawaii is calling me Ooh, look at you it's not that important probably bill collector probably. um <laughs> <clears throat> I'm running from the law um <laughs> so uh okay I'm with that, like with yeah. your podcast, with being Christians forever, um, going through the exciting journeys of okay, you're 27. That puts you, that puts you in like the 90s, right? Mm-hmm. The late 90s. 94. 94. Okay. So you were, what? Probably not cognizant until the late 90s then yeah you missed out a lot of purity fun still still benefited from some of the fruit of that being in an ultra conservative homeschool church it was i love and i love that community so much but there there were some there's some stuff for sure lacy grew up in a so she's comes from a family of uh seven kids she's the seventh or first and oldest so um yeah and uh i mean they had the denim jumper they i mean like hardcore homeschool mm-hmm. all of that um i even remember um uh, like uh, genuinely my one of my favorite books as a high schooler was i kissed dating goodbye and i'm <laughs> here's the sad here's hold on okay okay we're gonna tangent. talk about, nope we're gonna this is not a tangent this is planned Ooh. um <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. So, okay. I genuinely loved I Kiss Dating Goodbye, mm-hmm. Joshua Harris. Yep. Because it convicted me in areas that I feel like I wasn't, I was never taught. Mm-hmm. I was never intentionally taught, I'll say it that way, um, by anyone close to me. Obviously, in youth groups, don't have sex till you get married, um, mm-hmm. with no real, like, outside of you should get a rubber band and snap your wrist um outside of like any actual practical help and so i kiss dating goodbye gave me words and methods that genuinely helped me Mm -hmm. so when joshua harris retracted his book and all of that i was like dude you don't understand how much that helped people. Like, and I get, like I said, I get there's a side of home, the the 
conservative, fundamental homeschool yeah. Christianity, that was that was very destructive. And I have friends who did walk away from the faith as a result of that. But it's almost like either we take one extreme or the other. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. This is one of the many resources we make available for free at our website, cultivaterelationships.com. Our resources have helped people grow in their relationship with God and others. Uh, We've seen people set free from uncontrollable anger and paralyzing fear. We've witnessed estranged family members be reunited after working through our freedom booklet. We've helped people build healthy relationship and coping habits through our coaching videos. And all of these resources are made available for free because of the generous support of people like you. If you would like to become a partner, please visit cultivaterelationships.com slash support. Now, I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. My story is I was hugely benefited by the environment I grew up in. Yeah. As much as there were things I can I can look back and, and laugh on and go, whoa, that was that was a little extreme or that was a little weird. <laughs> I sure. Yeah. yeah. When yeah. I look at the the fundamentals of what the the system and environment gave me, it was such an allegiance to God and actual practices to promote holiness. Mm. And I think that's something that I I love about um, some of the things that came from purity culture was that it really instilled practices and disciplines to promote like pure unhindered devotion to God. I think that the other side of it that is has been more harmful and and I'm seeing in my well the generations coming just after me is that it was so fixated on the outside external that the heart of purity is, it's God and the work that he does in and through us by the power of his Holy Spirit. And I don't know Joshua Harris and exactly what led to those moments. But for me, my heart just, it was sad to me because there's so many people who that book benefited. Mm-hmm. And my older brother read it and mm-hmm. it helped him in his, his dating relationships and, and helped him in that season of life. Courting, so, courting, 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 courting relationships. Yeah, courting. Uh, yeah, thank you for that correction. <laughs> we didn't date. We we don't date. Uh, we well. court. Oh, yeah. I would I would have gotten yeah. That's a whole. That's another. There's all kinds of stories I can tell about. It's like courtship just, culture. It's the so exact same thing, but we just called it courting. Courting. It's dating, but we you couldn't call it dating. So it's courting. <laughs> so dumb. Okay, wait, wait. So with this, okay. So yes. you have you have people who. Because I grew up super conservative, yeah. um, f- like f- so fundamental that we didn't have any fun. We were just mental. And uh-huh. so um, so you have people like me and I presume you and your friends and from what I understand from your podcast who grew up conservative, who grew up in these, yeah. you know, what, even kind of like a little bit nutter communities. Yeah. Um, what have you seen? Like what is the difference between – and I don't mean difference as in – uh, innate quality. Mm-hmm. What I mean is, why do some come out of that culture going, wow, that was such a centering culture. Yeah, there's some nutters in there and mm-hmm. whatever. And then other people walk away from that culture, from the conserv- even expanded out a bit from the conservative or fundamental culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have you have 
musicians, you know, is it Michael Gungor, Gung, mm-hmm. you know, um, Hawk Nelson, the lead singer, you have Joshua Harris, you have, you have these huge fundamental Christians. Um, and then I've, I've personal friends who grew up and endorsed that culture, but then now they're like, you know what, that was horrible and beyond just horrible, I'm walking away from everything. So, like, what is, why do you think that is? I've thought about it a lot over the last few years, mainly because when I hit rock bottom at um, 20, I questioned everything Mm -hmm. about who God was. I was angry. And I I didn't like where my life was at. And, you know, what I understood about God at that point, it just, I, I was like, why did you allow all of these things in my environment to happen? Uh, why was all of these? And I, I, I questioned who he was. I think for me personally, what led me out of that was I had such an, an, a great support system in an environment to practice and, and like to process those questions. Mm. Also an environment where I was raised in, where questions and discussion was invited into the culture of my family. My mom was so good. Like we were homeschooled and part of it was at any point in the day, if something came up, maybe we had questions about something that the Bible said or whatever, my mom would stop whatever it was we were doing and we would just stop and talk about it. Hmm. And I think that taught me the importance of prioritizing processing not only individually but with other people those 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 questions those wrestlings those those things that come up and i they are natural to every believer mm-hmm. i and i also think i was in an environment where i saw my parents i saw the people who I was closest wrestle with things so it wasn't unfamiliar to me that people did that. Mm-hmm. And even though when I, I started wrestling at 20, I started feeling bad and I started feeling guilt over it. I I still knew I, there was people I could go to. And what I've heard and what I've read from specifically Hawk Nelson and Joshua Harris's stories, <clears throat> they had these long seasons of secluded doubt mm. and struggle and hurt and wrestling. But it sounds like that they did this primarily in private some did try to reach out to some people but it makes me wonder if they grew up in the environments with the support systems to teach how to properly walk through Mm -hmm. that in a way that leads to wholeness and health in in ourselves as individuals yeah because again there are there are some things that we just can't reconcile and this is hyper fixation on our own wisdom and how we can't relate with and we don't understand how God um, could allow certain things to happen. That's, I, I think that's one of the saddest things I've heard from so many people recently is this highly intellectualized faith to the point that there isn't this simple trust and mm-hmm. surrender the sovereignty of God. I think that was a huge part of my my coming out mm-hmm. stronger was my mom taught just a more simplistic approach, which is God says it, I trust it. And I trusted because I tried and it was proven. Mm. And that's part of my journey too. Over the last year and a half, things have been crazy. Some some things started hitting the radar again of just questions of processing with the Lord. And that was where I came back to at this point now is looking back on his faithfulness in different seasons of my life and going, you have been faithful. 
this is a circumstance I never prepared for, couldn't have anticipated. Mm -hmm. And it can make me wrestle and question and go down the intellectual rabbit hole of trying to figure out this. But you've proven to me that you work for the good of my mm -hmm. life and you work everything together for my good mm -hmm. and for your glory. And therefore, because I've seen it before, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to stay consistent in this place and in this season mm -hmm. and trust on the other side of this. There's good that's going to come out of this. Mm -hmm. But I think that my environment allowed a little bit more space. And I don't know. I just had the, the variables in place to help me have the, mm -hmm. the rooted, grounded trust also in the word of God, where the word of God was my authority, but not in a, I have to like intellectually ram all it in my brain and, uh, you know, intellectually reason through all of it, but just a, a simple trust in this is what God says. And therefore I believe it and I choose to submit my life to it. Hmm. Yeah, that is huge. I'm just thinking through how much mm -hmm. of um trusting that i don't have all the answers um yeah. not the smartest one in the room that like it, it, i don't mean that derogatorily i mean yeah. god i i'm going to believe mm -hmm. that you know something more right now yeah. than what i'm perceiving mm -hmm. um and even even if i'm seeing it accurately that you are a God of redemption, that that you can make better than what was, mm -hmm. um, which which re you're right. It requires a lot of release and a lot of. Um, uh, I think of the verse. I believe it's in Philippians. You know where he says, "The peace that surpasses all understanding yeah, will guard yeah. our hearts and our minds in Christ yeah. Jesus." Yeah. So I have to give up my right to understand mm -hmm. for that peace to come. <laughs> I don't like that. It's such a it's such a tension. Uh, I had a friend recently, and uh, he was sharing that we love to fixate in Christianity on the promises of God, mm. which is great, mm. and we should, mm. but that we often ignore that with a promise is always a commandment. Oh yeah. And so there's yeah. no there's a there's a tension that goes there, and I think that sometimes that may even be some of some of this is <coughs> people have learned the promises of God, and. I think when we, we guard our hearts, because command, commandments, I tell people the last year and a half, obedience, my walk with God's kind of looked more, more, I wouldn't say mundane necessarily, but just there's been moments of like, it's not like lights and, and, and smoke and, and all of the, all of the show. It's like, God's like, I just need you to do this because I ask you to do it. Mm -hmm. And there's not the, like I have made that peace, but it's not coming with the fanfare. It's just okay, God, I choose to believe that this is what you say and therefore mm -hmm. I'm going to do it. And there is blessing on the other side of yeah. that. You know, even as far back as the, the law that's talked about is that there's blessing that comes with obedience mm -hmm. and there's curses that come with disobedience. There's consequences for that. And just to fundamentally believe that in your heart as especially someone who grows up in the church, I wouldn't say that you're disadvantaged from growing up in the church um, over not growing up in the church. I just think it's different. It's different struggles. Mm -hmm. You're going to have different things that you come to the yeah. table with. Uh, people who have not walked with the Lord their entire lives, they may have some 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 baggage that comes and rears its head. <laughs> but you know, as with as with that, when you've grown up in the church your whole life, you have the ability to be so familiar with who God is that you don't actually know Him. Well, it's the generation that grew up with Manna. And then they're all of a sudden called to fight. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wait, what? No. 
hold on. No. No, God just always is there and is. And yeah. I don't have to fend for myself. No. Like, what? What? No, this is, n- this is not what I signed up for. Yeah, no. I, I like just being able to go out and grab some cornflakes. Um, <laughs> I like... Frosted flakes. Frosted flakes, That's yes. what I've heard it... Mm, I've heard... Thing. I've heard a lot of different uh, depictions of what that would actually be too like. Many, too many years in the church. Oh, we, are, we know too many. We too know many too many. Too many. Too many things. Um, so with with that, um, oh, I was just thinking about it, getting back to the questions, mm-hmm. like people asking questions. I think the if you're scared of asking questions, then you're you're probably not going to like the books of like Psalms or is it Habakkuk where the whole mm-hmm. thing is him questioning God. Yeah. Or Job. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of books. There um, are a lot of books. <laughs> right? Because it's like those are filled with people going, what the what mm-hmm. the heck? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing? Um, but, I, but even with asking and questioning, you see this really played out in Job where God's like, hey, I'm smarter than you. Yeah. And here's what here's everything I've done. Tell me what you've done. Mm. And you go back going back to the law, like what you said. Um, the hard part is reading the law from a 21st, like yep. scientifically minded mm-hmm. culture. Yeah. Um, okay, so the law of going out of the camp to go to the bathroom. To us, it's like yeah, duh. I mean, we like if we go camping, you. <laughs> yeah. You don't go to the bathroom where you're making your food. Yeah. Back then, you know, right? It's mm-hmm. like the mind, the like, okay, I'm just going to trust God on this. I don't understand it. But it's, it, if I did just use that as an example, mm-hmm. going, okay, God, today, 21st century, if you're telling me something for my good, mm-hmm. then I'm going to trust there's more that I probably don't know yeah. that you're working on. And going back then, microbes and bacteria and yeah. all of that. And for them, it's going, okay, I'm going to walk five miles out of the bathroom to go <laughs> to a porta john whatever. Um, and I, I think that's I, that has been the biggest thing for me, especially in the last yeah. – I think I have a different last two-year story mm-hmm. than you. Um, uh, two years ago, I walked through one of the – deepest depressions had nothing to do with covid yeah i've been incredibly healthy and like fantastic this whole time prior to that the year before horrible Mm. horribleness um but the last two years god's really very specifically said nate you're no longer able to ask me the why question Mm. and and it's out of a recognition that question leads me into a lot of disappointment well why this how why did you allow that Right, like, um, and yeah, like, at some point you have to, I think what you were saying, you have to get outside of yourself mm-hmm. and trust that God is yeah, potentially smarter than you. Well, I think when you progress past the why question, you start asking, who are you in the midst of this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Focus Which on his character, right? Focusing yeah. on his character because yeah. I think that was... Well, and that was the foundationally transformative thing when when things started shifting in the last few years was I, I just did, I was like, I don't even need to ask this question anymore. And who God is in the midst of this means far more to me. And it, it brings peace. 
it doesn't always bring answers. If I'm looking for answers as to the specifics of why this particular situation happened at this time to these people with all of the factors, I might not get a clear answer on that. But if I fix my gaze on who is God in the midst of this and how is he working in the midst of this, it brings peace. Of I don't have to know how this turns out on the other side. I see God at work <laughs> in my circumstances and the lives of other people. I see how he's already working that arc of redemption. It's his favorite narrative. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. I love that about God. His, mm-hmm. his love for redip- redemption and reconciliation in the hearts and, and lives of his people. Yeah. And you can find it so easily if you just have a heart to look for it. And that, I, I believe, as we mature in our faith, is such an important question to ask is, who are mm-hmm. you and where are you working? Mm-hmm. Who are you to me in mm-hmm. this specific moment? What are you doing and how how are you working? Because then you can have a clear path of where to go next. Yeah. Because where he's working is where you can go. Yep. yep. It gives you purpose. I think a lot of times those seasons of questions can pause us and almost freeze us in places that God intends us to continue to move forward in. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of the, the questions and the frustration and the anger and all of the things can come because we're actually, we're, we're walking in opposition to God's design and intent for us. Yeah. He has something for, his, his path is still moving forward and we've decided to entrench around something that was meant to be a temporary moment, a waypoint, a stop on a longer journey that he's, he's working in and through us. It's good. No, that's really good. I, I'm just thinking through um, about a month ago, mm. uh, reading my daughter, a devotional that she has, which I'll link to the show notes. I forget the name of it, but I'll, I'll link it. Um, anyways, it was talking about locks, like, you know, shipping mm. locks. Yeah. So you moves from one level to, to a different level. Um, and it was talking about, you know, getting stuck in a lock and we mm-hmm. see a wall in front of us. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, God's not moving anymore. We're not doing anything. We're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. But the, the, and it brought it back to, and the story was dealing with, you know, God's always moving from one, moving you from one level of glory to another or one level of maturity to another. Yep. But in the face of a wall in front of us, we like want to tap out. We're like, oh, we're not going yeah. anywhere. We're not doing anything. Let's just turn around because that's familiar. Um, but allowing that season, like you're saying, we get stuck in this temporary season, yeah. you know, or, or even the story of um, uh, Jesus with, is it Peter and John? And, and there's this trans, the transformation, yeah. the mm-hmm. not transformation. Transfiguration. That's why you're a pastor. <laughs> the amount of, yeah. But I love it because Peter's like, hey, can we build a tent here and like do some camping with these, you know, Moses and Elijah? Like, this is fantastic. Let's let's set up camp. I love the first thing you said. <laughs> it's good that we're here. I'm going to build a tent for you. I just imagine Peter like this miraculous thing happening. Like, this is good. I'm going to build a tent. I'm going to set up camp. Sounds like a good idea. Yeah. But it's right. It's building a a home where it's God's like, no, you've not arrived. No, and you never will. Not in a ne- like negative, pessimistic mm-hmm. way, but like this is mm-hmm. your relationship with me is a journey that will continue on mm-hmm. forever. Yeah. Anyways, um, okay. So like in the last couple of years, you, you know, you said you'd walked through some hard times with, you know, things that question. Like, are the, what would be 
like as you look back at the last mm-hmm. couple of years, like what are some big things that you had mm-hmm. to walk through and deal with and God kind of um, not of the belief of like God did them to you. Yeah. But like what was what was it where God revealed himself to you mm-hmm. in those circumstances? Yeah. So my grandma passed away in the in October of 2019. Okay. And that kicked off this whole <clears throat> grieving healing mm. season of my life. And my grandma was older. That was not as shocking. It just unearthed the suppressed trauma, mm. just different things that had happened. And I remember right before, it was two weeks before the whole world shut down with COVID-19. I love, I love that term. So when the world shut down. <laughs> I mean, it's so true. But God's like, Rebecca, I'm going to take you on a healing journey. And it's all I knew. And I was like, okay, I'm down for it. And then... Over those two weeks, the world, people are going crazy, toilet papers flying off the shelves. <laughs> We're going to all die from this disease. <laughs> Apparently, you know, and, and it was this, like, this fear and this anxiety. And I remember the first two weeks, I was just a mess in a basket mm. case. And one morning, God's just like, Rebecca, go outside. And I'm like, okay. So I got up, walked outside. Mm-hmm. And I had just been reading uh, in, in the book of Matthew where it talks about looking at the birds of the air. And I go and sit outside on the porch and the birds are singing so ridiculously loudly. It was just, <laughs> I couldn't hear anything. It was deafening. And God's like, I'm going to take care of you. You're of much more value than these. And through that just started bringing back all of the traumatic things, whether it had been Mm. past relationships that had scarred and marred me, uh, brokenness and family relationships just started leading me through the, the journey and helping me see where he was at, even Mm -hmm. in those places. Uh, and so went through all of that. And I thought that was like, that was done. Like we went through that year. And so it was like, November 2020 and you know I was feeling good and confident and and it had been so helpful I felt like I had a better perspective on like what God was doing Mm. and and better available and then two months later my best one of my best friends uh, lead pastor Mm -hmm. of Rockpile Church Matt Netzer Mm -hmm. just has a heart attack and and dies in a car Mm -hmm. accident and And he's young he's young he was 43 at the time and suddenly Again, life is upended, mm-hmm. not only just the loss of a friend, but the loss of where my life, the trajectory was going because, you know, my heart was kind of being led a different direction, maybe going and, and st- establishing women's ministry and, mm-hmm. and getting maybe moving outside of the role that I was in to suddenly I didn't ask to be one of the core pastors on a team that was young and to have responsibilities and to exercise authority in mm. these ways and being asked to step into a role. And I remember at the beginning, as much as I was like, I know that this is what God wants. Like there's no, like he, he prepared me for this moment. I am placed here by God mm. for this. And I had that confidence. I was in that place of, I just don't want it. Mm. I just don't want this. I, I, I would love for somebody else. I'm like, Lord, if there's any other way you can do it, can you pass this Mm. cup to somebody else? I don't want it. Mm. And that was part of the grieving process of, it wasn't just the loss of a friend. It wasn't just the loss of, but it was a loss of identity. It was a loss of what I thought my life was going to look like at that point. And so from that point, it's just been this gradual, uh, 
unlearning things being renewed in different ways again i i thought that the the healing process was done november 2020 and and god just has taken it at a deeper level mm-hmm. and affirming and ensuring up things and and really giving a good picture of like what does grieving look like and like how do you do that well how do you do it in community mm. how do you do it in a way that leads to healing not in a way that leads to um just brokenness and fractured and, and walking mm. in a way that's just you're out of joint the rest of your life like god wants to restore and no. yes when we, we go through grieving, there there's a loss and we, we suffer that and, and there are consequences. And I think that they're ongoing to a degree, but, but God has more for us than that. And he mm. wants to even come into those places and speak life and speak hope. How do you grieve? I mean, you think of this year in particular, mm-hmm. but people in general, the the loss of a loved one, the loss of a grandmother, the loss of a yeah. good friend, the loss of a child, like what? Yeah. Not to say there's a, all right, if you do A, B, and C, <laughs> then you will grieve well and be happy. Oh. But what did you find that led you to a place of wholeness almost in spite of loss like how did you find that hope that mm-hmm. that peace that how did you find that the first thing that god really spoke to me early on in the process was i wanted a destination of when we get here things will be better And one of the first things he just spoke clearly was, Mm -hmm. this is a journey. It's a process. It's not linear. It's not going to look like you hit these three points and then you get better. Yes, there's a cycle of grieving, but it Mm -hmm. happens in any order it wants to. And really just speaking for for me, one of the biggest things I wrestled with in those first few months was just needing to control everything. (laughs) Needing to know how it was going to turn out. Needing to know how long my life was going to be suspended, needing to know how long mm. I was going to walk in pain. And and the Lord convicted my heart that I just mm. needed to surrender that outcome, that I just needed to learn to walk in trust with him and also to lean into the people that he'd given me, the community mm. that he'd surrounded me with. So that was the first thing was just changing my mindset as to timelines and processes. Mm. And, and I even tell people that, I, I consider my grieving journey still ongoing because there's different things that pop up. And I think when you give it, you look at your life as a journey and that grieving is almost like a branch that kind of weaves into the greater narrative. Mm. It gives you that perspective of like, you don't have to like retreat and figure this out, uh, seclude yourself from, from other people or, or situations, but you can, you can walk with confidence into relationships and, I know for me this last year, there was a lot of times where I wrestled with, God, I just want to know how this turns out. I want to know what it's going to look like on the other side. And his gentle response was always, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And it's like, I love the scripture that talks about that we are being transformed from one degree into another, Mm -hmm. into the image of Christ. Mm because that gives me such hope that this is a refining season for me. And I think grief, when you view it as a refining season, Mm. that 
we live in a broken world. And no, God does not want like death and brokenness. That is not his design and his intent, but he redeems and he uses all things for good. There's almost, there's this hope that can come into those mm. spaces and there's purpose that comes into my pain. And so that was, I, I remember uh, reading C.S. Lewis's book, The Problem with Pain. Mm, and yeah. um, so good. I, I just remember thinking about that and, and, and recognizing that God had a, a purpose. And that uh, that is the thing I will tell people all day long, how I have continued down a healing journey, how I have changed my identity, how things have not come to just steal who I am is recognizing that God's in the midst of everything that's happened. Mm-hmm. He's present and he's weaving a story and he's leading forward. But that doesn't necessarily have, to, I think we fixate on an, an image of wholeness and, and what being a follower of Jesus looks like that we're not angry or frustrated or wrestling with questions about why something happened or we're not um, we're, we're in, not, not in a place of feeling weak or, or just directionalist. Mm-hmm. I think that's one thing that happens in grieving is you you get lost. You get lost in, in the emotions and the feeling that you, you lose sight of who you are and, mm. and where where you need to go. I had that realization halfway through this year was just I went and sat down at staff meeting one day and I just confessed. I was like, I'm lost. Mm. And they're like, well, what does that mean? And I was like, well, I don't feel lost. Like I'm, I'm not like lost in my relationship with God. I still love the Lord. <laughs> salvation's lost. It's gone. <laughs> no, but it's like I just I don't I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. I don't know what my purpose mm. is. And one of the, the most beautiful things that was said to me was like the beauty about when we admit that we're lost, there's hope in even saying I'm lost mm-hmm. because it means that we can be found. Mm. And that has just been my declaration <laughs> too in this last season of when you're grieving, you feel you feel lost because there's a part of you and the identity and the connection, whatever person or mm-hmm. thing that you're grieving, um, it's been stripped away from you. Mm. So it's part of your identity and it can cause you to question your purpose and what you're, you're, you're calling is it can cause you to to lose focus and lose direction but i think even in that place it's an opportunity to go to the lord and say i feel lost but Mm -hmm. i know that i'm never lost with you i've you found me you're with me and you're going to lead me through this and so i don't have to walk in fear about what tomorrow looks like i'm just going to do the next right thing i'm going to be obedient faithful with what you've given me to do today Mm -hmm. and one day i'm going to look back on the season and i'm going to see your hand all over this and I'm going to see how this was all weaving together a beautiful Mm. tapestry that's going to tell a story of your faithfulness but right now I'm just going to say today maybe I just walk like with my family and I Mm. love them well maybe today I do one task where I just sit with a person who just needs someone to be present Mm. and that's it and that is success because I'm being obedient to you being faithful with what you've given me to do um okay you brought up a couple things uh see if I can hit them in order um you you said do something uh were you re- like the, the last thing you said mm-hmm. is go and be with someone who just needs someone to be with you are, are you saying as the grieving person to do that mm-hmm. um i don't know if you know this but that seems very non-conducive to me being helped like yeah. if i'm the one grieving mm-hmm. <laughs> um no, because I don't have anything to offer someone. So no, I'm not going to do that. Like that's how it, that's yeah, right. So tell like why, why that? What did yeah? 
and I can just share personally this year, that was the conviction the Lord gave me at one point because mm-hmm. I was wallowing in my own feelings. Mm. And there is something powerful when we serve one, someone else in grief, when we put the needs of somebody else about above ourselves. because one of the reasons that we get so lost in grief is because we so fixated on our own agony and our own sorrow that we've lost, we've become disconnected with the world around us. And so those simple acts of service and love for others, whether it's, I mean, even if it's just cleaning your house or uh, walking your dog, or it's something where you take yourself outside of yourself and serve someone else in love. Mm-hmm. It reminds you that you're you're still alive, you still have a purpose, and there are people that not only would like to benefit from you, but do depend on you, that there's a purpose for mm-hmm. you in this world. And we can lose that in grieving. Mm-hmm. And service puts us back in right perspective of, of who we are and, and where we're at. It can take that's us good. outside of ourselves. Yeah. No, that's good. I, um, when, so the, I had a, I've talked about this before on the podcast, mm-hmm. but not with you. Um, I had a, an intervention because mm-hmm. I was like thoroughly depressed, discouraged. I was disappointed. Yeah. Um, so much so. It was, it was, that's what, like the three ish mm-hmm. years ago now. Um, anyways, when it came to the intervention <laughs> between my wife and two of our friends, um, that night I went for a walk afterwards and just like pouring out my heart. Yeah. And, it was that point that God said, he goes, Nate, if you, if you care for others, you will be cared for. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's stupid. That, no, I need to be cared for mm. before I can. It, it's, the whole, it's the whole concept, and I th- we teach it in, and I don't think it's a false concept. No. It's you can't give out what you've not experienced yourself, right? It's that kind of an idea. So, mm. God, I need to know I'm loved before I can love someone else. But in this case, he was very much, very strong uh, going, Nate, you will not feel cared for unless you start caring for others. And so uh, almost to what Mm -hmm. you were saying, dealing with, hey, if you give out, if you pour out of yourself, like right now I feel like uh, it's, it creates a, like a cesspool when water is not moving it creates a cesspool of bacteria and that's what i had been i had not been giving out in the way he he was asking me to i was giving out in other areas that i mm-hmm. i was gifted in and felt good about um but not areas that actually required me to have faith and step out of mm-hmm. what i was comfortable with yeah. um so with okay so i got to wrap up dang it one last question. Yeah. You said that the grieving process, like it, it can't be a timeline thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So describe, explain that because I've had people, you know, like a loved one dies and they're like, oh, oh that sucks. Okay. Over it. <laughs> like at the funeral or uh-huh. which by someone else, I mean, that was me. Um, and then, <laughs> and then at the same time, I have uh, genuinely have friends who they've had traumatic losses decades ago. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just, it. I sound, like I said, mm-hmm. I'm the guy at the funeral going, eh, it sucks. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I, I have this sense of Mm. Not that you get over it. That's not what I'm advocating for. But uh, come on, there's, there's yeah. when are you going to walk in hope? When are you going to start mm. walking in life? 
I guess. So explain, like, what do you yeah, mean by timeline? Yeah, yeah. timeline. Well, for one, I think in, in grief, you need to make a resolution that there is going to be hope and there is mm. going to be joy again when you give yourself that freedom of no timeline on that. Mm. I also, I'm a firm believer, and I'll take it back to something I said earlier. You have to surrender the outcome the expectation about it because I'm somebody I'm more of the I grieved I cried I'm done that's I want it to be a very simple process I'm that organized let's get it done and I had to personally Mm. surrender the outcome the timeline of that because there would be times where months later I would just break down in tears over something and I was frustrated with myself because I'm like, why are you still doing this? Mm. Like, this is not, this is not okay. And so for me, it was being okay, acknowledging that this is a process. It is going to come and it's going to go. But I would say even to somebody who maybe holds on to it and can't let it go, it is a time, there is no timeline on it and you need to give yourself grace but also, you're to no, you're of no benefit to anyone if you mm-hmm. stay wallowing in in sorrow and anger and frustration forever. You're a perpetual cycle, and it's it's ultimately it's not about other people. It's about mm-hmm. the harm it does to us as individuals when we stay mm-hmm. in those places. Again, I believe it's important. Lament there. I love that there are psalms that are lament psalms because mm-hmm. it teaches us how to grieve properly. There's but a- even think about how they're structured. It's very <laughs> raw. It's like they can be angry. They're like attacking, like pointing out, "I, you, this is who you are. This is what you've done to me." But there's always this resolution mm-hmm. of hope. There's a statement, even if it's one verse. Mm-hmm. There's one psalm that doesn't really ever give you the the resolution. But for it's the most my part, favorite. I know it's good. It's really good. It's one of my favorites too. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, there is even in the midst of it one statement of hope, and I think that that's something with, with, the perspective of giving yourself that space and that time. Mm. You have to always take yourself back to and make sure you're placing the hope that this is not forever. Mm. It may not be a month and you're done. It may not be a year and you're done. But there needs to be that eager expectation that it's going to get better. That. The Lord is going to heal. He's going to restore. And that freedom to walk, because I think the people who grieve best are people who do it hand in hand with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And therefore, it's a journey. It's a relationship. And yes, relationships aren't linear. They aren't a timeline here and here. They're... I think there's people who are still grieving the loss of loved ones years and years later, mm-hmm. but it's it's now at this point when when they have those moments arise, they go to the Lord and they process mm-hmm. it with Him, or they find a friend and they just have a, a moment mm-hmm. and then it's done. Yeah, and it's I think that that's where when you have a long term perspective, it's knowing it's going to be a part of you, but that's not in a way of like oh it's going to be part of me forever. Right, I'm going to be so right. sad, but but recognizing. This is my heart's way of continuing on caring for and loving and valuing this person. Therefore, it is going to be a part of me, mm-hmm. but that's okay. And I can surrender. I don't have to like walk in it and just let it engulf me, nor do I have to suppress it and try to get rid of it. It's, it's going to happen, Yeah. but there's hope and there's joy. There's good things that's coming. And therefore I can just walk through it and embrace day by day. I, I have a, a friend right now who her dad just passed away a few mm. weeks ago. And I saw her at the gym a few weeks back and she was, you know, kind of talking through and processing and and apologizing. And I was like, you know, like right now in the phase that you're in, I was like, you're going to you're probably going to cry randomly for no reason. And that's okay. I'm like, 
it's going to get better mm-hmm. but right now just just let go of this need this outcome or like what looks like grieving well what doesn't look like grieving well mm-hmm. because it's a journey it's a process and it happens as it happens and i think we i think good friends to help us grieve well and having a good community to support us and and give perspective is important yeah that's good i should probably put a caboose on this thing (laughs) maybe (laughs) (laughs) i know i I definitely want to have you back there it seems like we could probably have some good conversations about a lot of things um yeah my wife like dealing with Mm -hmm. grieving my wife has this theory theological theory that the reason death in particular of loved ones is so hard is because we were never designed to to deal with it Mm. right like our our design our nature was to be in relationship forever and and she goes i think i think that's why um very specifically death of a loved one is so hard as we were never created to experience it yeah and so um which is the hope of of each of being with god forever mm-hmm. is okay god can heal those yeah. things when we transition into forever you know yeah it's not eternity whatever the yeah that's the hope of eternity is like, yeah it's like right now we grieve yeah but but you know in most situations where at least for me as a believer the people i've lost over the last few years i had that hope mm. of like i'm going to see them again mm-hmm. so that almost as much as my heart grieves them now because that wasn't supposed to happen mm. i look forward with eager expectation that i'm going to see my grandma in heaven oh, so good i get to be reunited with her yeah. i get to see matt netzer in heaven mm. and i get to be reunited with him and that that almost helps me celebrate even while i i miss and i feel in my flesh the lack yeah. I'm okay with, like, I can walk and go, okay, this is for now, but not forever. Right. And that gives right. me hope. That's good. All right. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Where can uh, people find you or look you up or yeah. see the things, all the things? All the things. So uh, we have Redefined uh, by JC. It's mm-hmm. our Instagram account. So if you want to follow Jalen Nelson and I, as we continue down this podcast journey, you can find us there. We also have a Facebook page as okay. well, Redefined okay. by JC. And then you can find me on all social media platforms, Rebecca Jones. All right. Love to connect with you. Sweet. And I will, um, I'll, I'll link to the, I think I have the podcast. I'll, yes. I'll link to that one. Um, and then on there, your personal Instagrams are, are on there as okay. well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, I think I saw yeah, it in on the description. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I'll also link to the, is it the Facebook mm-hmm. redefined? Because I think yes. those are also linked to yeah. your personal ones. Mm-hmm. They are. Sweet. Awesome. Man, thank you so much, Rebecca. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Do you, uh, d- uh, I really appreciate it. Let me finish my sentence before I move on to the next one. <laughs> Goodness. Um, do you mind praying for, for people as like, yeah. more specifically towards people who are grieving, dealing with mm. loss, dealing, especially in the last couple of years, yeah. but I mean, still, people mm-hmm. who have that loss, right? Yeah. Do you mind praying for that? I would Sweet, love thank you. to do so. Awesome. Dear God. We are so thankful for you and the work that you've done. God, thank you that you redeem, you restore, and that you reconcile everything to yourself. God, thank you that um, we can celebrate that whatever we're experiencing right now is not final. That we have the victory in your son, Jesus, that helps us overcome any circumstance that we're in right now, whether it's grieving and loss, mm-hmm. whether of the, the loved ones that we have, or maybe it's just seasons of grieving the loss of the lives that we, we thought we were going to have at this mm. point, God, that that is a real grief that we go through. 
And God, we, we thank you that you redeem even those things for your glory and that God, you have come to bring life into our present. But we also thank you for eternity, this new earth that we're going to get to celebrate in where everything is going to be put back to right. The separation that we may be experiencing right now, that we will find that wholeness and that restoration in its perfect form. And so God, for those who are just listening today, who are going through this season of loss and grief, um, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would be with them, that you would speak your truth and your love, that you would remind them that you are for them, that you are leading them through this, that God, you still have purpose for them, that their lives matter, Lord, that you have a place for them, God, and that you have a ministry that you want to do in and through them, that you are working through even the brokenness of their situation mm. for their good and for your glory. Yes, and God, that is such a beautiful thing that we can claim. And so, Lord, in your son, Jesus name, we just claim that for our lives and we just surrender. Um, we surrender timelines. We surrender processes and how that looks to you, trusting, Lord, that you have good things yeah. for us. We want to know you. And I think that that is the most beautiful thing about grieving is just this opportunity to grow in relationship with you, to see you, to see you in a different way, to see you show up and to support us and to carry us through when we can't even carry ourselves and to walk forward and take that next step. So we thank you and we praise you. We know you're going to do infinitely beyond what we could ever hope or imagine. And I just ask today that in a place of loss, that you would remind our hearts of this, that you're working for good. And God, thank you for your love. It's in your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Rebecca. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Thanks. All right. Goodbye.